Triple Play Fantasy's basketball show with Doc, Coach, and Brass Dadamas starts now. Welcome, players, to the Triple Play Fantasy Basketball Show, a proud member of the Fantrax Podcast Network and the Fantrax HQ family. We're the podcast that's giving you good analysis to begin your new year. I got with me my normal guys. We missed them last week. We got Brad Lee Lowhouse. What's going on, Brad? Once again, that's a deep cut. I have no idea who Lowhouse is, but it's good to be back, man. Shout out to my dad. My dad is now helping me figure out brats that played in the NBA. Dad, thank you so much for that reference. I wouldn't have figured it out on my own. <laughs> you can look it up after. His last name is spelled L-O-H-A-U-S. Briefly played in the 80s. Career, career five points a game person. But like I said, we are really stretching it out here. I got the other guy, the one that doesn't miss shows. I got James <laughs> Flight White Lewis. What's going on, coach? Oh, nothing much. Happy to be here. Happy New Year. Happy birthday to the King. 36 years young, Asian like fine wine. You know I had to give him a shout out, Doc. No, no, we don't have we don't talk positive this early about LeBron on the podcast. That's like rule seven on this show. But we have a guest today. We welcome in a woman with a variety of interests. Yes, she talks basketball, but she also likes coffees, cat coffee, cats, and Star Wars. Her and Princess Carolyn are basically the same person, okay? She's currently getting her master's in legal studies at the University of Oklahoma, so maybe she'll represent us one day when she makes it big. She's a member of the Native American Journalists Association and one-third of the Hardcore Honeys podcast. She's an OKC fan, so we know we, that she has patience dealing with us. We welcome in Shay Vassar. Shay, what's going on? Thanks for joining the show. No, what an introduction. I've never felt so like hyped up and I love it. Like, thank you. You make me sound like I'm, I don't know, like a little successful and I'm not. So thank you. <laughs> I don't know. You you're, you got a pretty big Twitter following. You know, I had to do a little bit of research to make sure we properly introduce, properly introduce you on. Um, but Shay, did you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I, I'm currently based out of Brooklyn, New York, but I uh, am from uh, the Tulsa, Oklahoma area. I So when OKC became OKC, I immediately was attracted to them because that was the first real professional team to come out of Oklahoma. I mean, we have uh, like a double-A uh, baseball team, which if you're from the Tulsa area, you've been to a million drillers games. But other than that, like you did not grow up with – any kind of pro. It, it was all about football, college football. And so the moment that Oklahoma City came into existence, I was like that. I'm an NBA fan now. Uh, so that's always a fun thing because I've always been a big sports girl, but basketball is just something super special. I love the sport. Uh, but yeah, I, I dabble. I always say I'm aware of many hats because I, I do it all. So I, I do a little bit of, of everything. So I'm also a film critic. Um, that's like my day job. So yeah, but I prefer basketball. It's a lot less stressful. You know, we get to have fun debates and everyone has like their own little like area of expertise within basketball. And oh, I love it. I love it. I'm in awe. I had to like gather my words a little bit because I'm a little speechless because you are just a woman of all traits. Uh, yeah. Hopefully I can get that to what to that point one day. But we have a great show planned for today because we're going to talk some fantasy basketball on this show. 
couple weeks in, we're going to give you a couple players that you should buy low on, maybe take advantage of a snoozing manager, some to sell high on and, you know, maybe like the stock market, get it before it crashes and some free agents that you should scoop ASAP Rocky. And I bring that up because after that, we'll go to our question of the week. Who is the best rapper Hooper? And as always, we'll have our game of the week revealed at the end of the show. But first, some news and notes. First little bit of news and notes. Big news! And I'm not being sarcastic when I say that. Spurs assistant coach Becky Hammond made history by becoming the first woman to act as a head coach during an NBA regular season game. Greg Popovich was ejected in the first half of Wednesday's game against the Lakers. As he was leaving the court, he pointed to Becky Hammond and said, it's on you now. Hammond is in her seventh season with the coaching staff. So, Shay, I want to talk with you about this. What did this mean? What did this moment mean to you and for women in sports? Well, you know, it's not unknown to the entire world that women in all aspects of sports are just underrepresented. And as someone who I'm not very athletic myself, so I don't really have it from the athlete's point of view, the way that even Becky does. But and I'm not a coach. I probably should never coach a basketball team. Um, but, you know, from from a journalism point of view, I've seen that on on this side for sure. Sports journalism has so few women. And then, you know, you look at Becky, who is qualified to be a coach who has worked her way from being, you know, a non-professional athlete to a professional athlete to like the side uh, positions on the coaching staff to now she's an assistant coach. So what, where she's at now, it just, it makes sense that this is a natural progression in her career and she's level-headed. Like she looks professional out there. It's not, you know, I, there's a lot of stereotypes when it comes to women in, in, you know, positions of power. And it's always like, oh, well, what if they're like PMSing or there's all the, and it just doesn't even make sense. Like, I don't even want to get into it. Cause what it, if they get emotional? Wow. And then, and then we see like Nick nurse who gets an emotional every game, you know, but he's just Nick nurse. Like that's what he does. So but Becky Hammond, like, I love watching her on the sidelines and, and her interact with the, the players because they obviously respect her. She's not just like, yes, she's a woman and she's a coach, but she's also just a coach who deserves to be where she's at, if not already in a head coaching position full time. Just saying. But, you know, it is good to finally like this is we've been waiting on this. Right. We've been waiting for this moment for Becky. And now that she's done it, it's like, cool. Now let's get more women in. Let's get more people of all different, you know, backgrounds and like racial backgrounds and, and uh, gender who are in these positions because they're qualified. It's not just about diversifying. It's about looking at people who are not just white men to do these positions because they are qualified. So I'm stoked. I'm so I could talk about this all day. So very well said and different sport, but Kim Ang uh, is the general manager now of the Marlins. So big, big push for women being in powers who are qualified for the positions. It's not like they got grandfathered in or they had connections. They've put in their time. They've been athletes or they've been in the industry for a while. And I'm very excited that Becky and Kim can hopefully show in 2021 that more women should be in that, that position of power. Brad and coach, anything you guys want to touch on before we go to the next little bit of news and notes? Yeah, I'm I'm a firm believer that coaches have a shelf life of like five years with any particular team. I don't find that coaches add any particular utility once they've installed like a successful scheme like the triangle or something. And after that, it's all the players, you know, 
stories get old, motivation gets tired, people get comfortable. I say all that to say I really wish Pop would retire or go to a young team and develop them. I think it's time to let Becky Hammond take over. It's been seven years, and there are coaches that have had less time than that. Steve Nash and Steve Kerr got zero years. They just got the job, and it's off to the races for them. So I think it's time to move forward for Pop, and I'd like to see you know, less long-tenured coaches because I just don't think they provide that much utility to a team. Brad, we're eight minutes in and you already have a spicy take. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I, I honestly don't think it's that spicy. I mean, like, what left does he have to accomplish? Like, he's a Hall of Fame coach. But, uh, but I'm saying he's won five rings. He should decide when he wants to step down. But I get your sure. point. Coach, anything sure. you wanted to add? Yeah, well, I think I think Pop has the right to do that and step down whenever. He's chasing history with his amount of wins and things in the top three. Um, but I think that um, for sure Becky Hammond is – it should be a top head coaching candidate – um, I love what she did in the summer league two years ago. Uh, that Spurs yeah. team was one of the best teams in the summer league. Yeah, they were talented, but the development of White, of um, Lonnie Walker, the fourth, uh, Kelvin Johnson, um, you can see that she's playing a role and she has their respect. They glow when they talk about her. She earns a respect from the top tier um, basketball players in the league. I mean, even LeBron James is giving her a shout out. Another LeBron mentioned coaches, two <laughs> were not 10 minutes in. Mean, I mean, can you get a higher, like, uh, welcome to the NBA? We want you to be in this position for someone. Mm -hmm. Coach, if you mention LeBron one more time, I'm going to have to mute you for 10 seconds. Like, Is this a basketball (laughs) player? Are we talking about the NBA? Uh, Somehow he has his hands wrapped over this entire league. Let's give him his flowers while he's still here. He's only 36. Welcome to the LeBron pod, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, welcome to the LeBron James experience. But back on Becky, um... Uh, I, I think she'd be a wonderful candidate. I think she's better than Scotty Brooks, who should have been fired last week. So I'll end on that. Retweet. Retweet. Welcome As to the Wizards. fan here, I will say agreed. Uh. There we go. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's gotten the benefit of the doubt. Now, as a Wizards fan, I, he should have been gone. Um, but next little bit of news and notes. NBA is requiring players to wear sensors as part of contact tracing starting January 7th. So players and staff members will have to wear these sensors on team planes, buses, during practices, and to and from the arena or their home facility. Not wearing these sensors will be subject to discipline, but it's not clear whether it will be a fine, suspension, or something more severe. Brad, I want to start with you on this. Do you like this move by the NBA to monitor their players? You know, it's interesting. So first of all, I'll say this is a great use of technology. There's no doubt that as soon as somebody tests positive, they'll absolutely be able to know exactly who came in contact and prevent what happened to the Browns this past week or college football teams or baseball, et cetera. It gives me confidence that they're going to be able to fill or finish the season. Um, But I'll say if you're a person that values any sort of privacy, there's no way you're happy about this at all. And I got to wonder how legal it is to require that your employees are tracked every waking moment of their life. So Shay, I'd actually like to go to you on that, see if you have any uh, background on that aspect. You know, I was actually thinking something similar because I would hate it if my employer was like, not like, these are the places you're allowed to go. Let me know if you go elsewhere. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. We're going to put an electronic tracker on you so that we know where you are every waking moment. Like that's a little bit too futuristic authoritarian yeah Yeah. like i don't love the idea i get it i get it because covid is like 
a thing still. And we right. have seen players who are not following protocol. So, of course, this is what they do instead of doing a bubble, right? But mm-hmm. I kind of liked the bubble more. That felt a little bit better. Just a little bit. Yeah. You. Yeah. And, and, Coach, I want to hear your thoughts real quick before I touch on this. Uh, I mean, I feel a little bit of both points. Uh, at first thought, I didn't like tracking the players. Um, but then you have to think about it in the, the larger screen. This is a pandemic. Um, pandemic. Does it make the game safer? Um, are we tracking links to the virus? Yes. Um, if, I, if I'm an NBA player, just be a responsible professional. That's all Team Silver is asking. He's just really looking out for the safety um, not really trying to track your now if they use this tracking He's looking out for that, out money. that they were in the strip club and there's no evidence on that now we're like now it's a now it's a privacy issue but i don't see them doing that i think they're using it just for kind of the track of covid brad touched on it it's about the money they don't want to slow down the nba season it's interesting because the nba players you think about their lack of privacy and it's like okay we're being tracked but it, also nba players can bring guns into locker rooms Go in the go in the uh, stands and punch play or punch innocent fans during a mouse of house and kind of be granted that legal immunity. So while we think it's a little more invasive, it seems like these NBA players are definitely I'll I'll put it in air quotes treated different than members of society. Uh, it just comes with the position and the notoriety of being in the NBA. Um, next little bit of news and notes, Brad. I want to touch with you shortly on or a little bit on this. Your baby boy, John Morant, is out three My to five weeks baby with, a, boy. with a grade two ankle sprain. Try not to cry, all right? I, I'm here for sending <laughs> virtual hugs. So it's certainly good news considering that he could not put any weight on it initially. But is there anyone that you should look at in fantasy to pick up the scoring load? And can Memphis remain competitive without him? Brad, I just want to touch with you a little on this. Yeah, it's not just the scoring load with him. He racks up assists and boards as well. Um, if it was just a scoring load, I'd say you could pick somebody up off the waiver wire to hold you over. But since he's likely to be a centerpiece for most fantasy teams' production, I'd say you're better off making a trade to try to get somebody who has triple-double potential and revamp your whole team now before three to five weeks is up and you're already in too big of a hole. No, great point. Shay and uh, Coach, anything you guys want to touch on? I don't know much about fantasy, but I am really sad about the whole John Morant thing. Just because I, I mean, maybe it's selfish because we had like the shortest off season ever, but I was excited. He was one of the people I was excited to watch play. And now we don't have that. And again, that's really selfish because he's the one suffering. His team's the one suffering. And I'm over here like, I don't get to watch him play, but (laughs) it is really sad that, you know, this happened so quickly. I am happy that it's not as serious as it could have been. I mean, when he was being wheeled off, I was like, oh no, like this is bad. And so for it to only be like a grade two, oh, he's fine. Like (laughs) we'll, we'll see him in three to five weeks. It's fine. Ankle springs suck. They suck. They suck. They suck. They suck. But to touch on that point, we did see him drop 44 in his debut. So I think he was poised for a breakout year. Coach, anything you want to touch on? Yeah, and I'm glad you pointed out the 44. I thought he was on the verge of a, a, a breakout step up performance. I think he averaged 18 last year. I think he was going to move all the way up to like 23, 24 a game. He is their leader. And to, for a rookie to be a bonafide leader like he did and to bring his team into um, the playoffs last year yeah. was remarkable. Um, I think that uh, this is bad for the Grizzlies. They were a bad team before he got hurt. And now I think they're going to 
they're going to tank. They're not going to look to tank because Taylor Jenkins likes to win and they're going to try to play to win, but their team just isn't good enough. Um, I, I would say take a look at Tyus Jones. He had 12 assists last year. He's oh, been yeah. one of the better backup point guards in the NBA. And so I guess for a fantasy perspective, he could be somebody that you could pick up in the meantime um, to help um, fill in some of those, especially from the assist and steals area. Um, I, I look for Tyus Jones to, to step up in this place, but the Grizzlies are – they're bad, and and it's disappointing that we don't have to get to see John Morant every couple of days. The Grizzlies said, hold my beer after they got a win in Charlotte yesterday. <laughs> but last little bit of news and notes, just want to touch on this real quickly. Donnie Walsh, the longtime Pacer executive, retires. His biggest move was drafting Reggie Miller in 1987, which was scrutinized at the time. He also worked with the Knicks as well over the 30-year front office career. Pacers are currently 4-1, and one, so whoever takes over will be in a good spot. Um, but speaking of good spots, do you like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcast. Want to hear more Triple Play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy baseball and football show that you can also check out, available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about buying low on us, like the Rockets did with James Harden, and then holding on to us by giving us a five-star rating and review. Check us out on Twitter and IG at TripPlayFantasy. Myself and Brad run our social media and provide daily questions. My brother embarrassing the Mendelssohn family name. And of course, our weekly episode drops. You know that feeling when you scoop a free agent and someone texts you, screw you, I was about to pick him up. That's the feeling we want to provide. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, the loyal player, for your listens each and every week. Fantasy basketball? Bye. Or sell. Trademark around the horn. So who are some guys that you're targeting in trades and want to poach from others, maybe buying low on? Who are the guys that have peaked and you think will have less value the rest of the season? What about that player that's just chilling in the free agent pool? Nobody's talking about them. They're sleeping on them and they need to be scooped up immediately. Well, we're going to touch on one of each and I want to start with buying low. So who is someone that you're targeting that's on a roster and you think that you can get for cheap coach. I want to start with you on this. All right. So I'm looking at Deandre Ayton right now. He's currently averaging 12 points and 11 rebounds and doc. I know he's on your team. So, you know, <laughs> you, oh, you, yeah, feel, baby. you ain't getting him from me. Woo! If you feel froggy, just send him over this way. Um, okay, send your entire team that's buying low on him. He, uh, he averaged 18 um, and 11.5 rebounds a game last year. In his second year, he's in his third year. So you expect third year NBA players to take a big jump. The arrival of CP3, you would you would think his numbers would go up, but he's seen his uh, field goal attempts go from 15 to 9.5. And I don't know if that's a that's a scheme thing or just you know he he hasn't gotten the groove this season. But I'd look for all of those numbers to go up. Last night, he had 22, 11, and two blocks. So I see um, if you could make a, a trade proposal with somebody that's like, uh, why is he averaging 12 points? Maybe it's because of his CP3. I, I say go ahead and try try to grab him. Yeah, uh, so as mentioned, I do have him on my team. I will not be selling him low. Um, to kind of make a quick point, he's played in six games so far. In two of the games, he's gotten in foul trouble early. But he did have 22, 11, and two blocks yesterday, which I think is – more of lines that you can expect him to see. Brad, I want to transition to you next. Who might be a sweet baby boy of yours that you can get on the low? You already know, the most handsome player in the NBA. Oh, gosh. Talking, God. talking Kelly Oubre. 
So he's, <laughs> he's been very bad lately uh, with the three-point shooting. He's been passive to Steph and Andrew Wiggins, of all people. He's not getting many boards or assists. It's been a rough start, but it's also just that. It's a rough start. The Warriors aren't stupid. They traded a first-round pick to get him because he's better than any first-rounder they were going to get a chance to draft if they got you know, 100% of his upside, which would make them a fringe playoff team which I believe we all had them as as at the beginning of the, the start of the season. So um, we're talking about a 25-year-old who averaged 19-6 and six last year on a team where he was the third option. He's no scrub. So I think you buy low now because I'm sure whoever owns him doesn't have much confidence in him. You're not going to have to give up much, and I definitely think he's going to revert back to the mean of, of last year. Brad, you weren't on our show. I don't know if you listened to it when it came I out. I listened. I heard, I heard Coach speaking terribly on my name. Okay, but but did you hear this stat? This was from December 27th, so this has likely changed. Mm-hmm. Kelly Oubre was 0 for 31 on non-dunk attempts, yeah. I think, through four games. That's bad. That's bad. I think we could do better. I think so we could make an underhand such, shot. Such a small, it's such a small sample size. I wouldn't 31 even shots is not a small sample size. It's four, it's four games, dude. He's fine. He's a he's an NBA caliber player. He averaged 19 and 6 last year. Oh, he hasn't a made a shot outside of a dunk this year. But the, are, the, are the Suns are the Suns worse than they were last year now that they traded Kelly Oubre for Chris Paul? Or are they better? They're, no, they're better. They're better. I, I, there's no doubt about that, but it's not like Chris Paul's, you know, looking like an all-star this year. He's playing fine. All right. All right. Well, Brad, I don't know if anybody's going to buy low bad advice. If they do, I want him to write to the show. <laughs> Shay, I got two questions. First of all, is Kelly Oubre the most handsome man in the NBA? And two, who is your buy low candidate? Oh, my God. Okay. So I actually, there was like a Twitter thread going around about this recently um and so i i had like a real long thought about it and i also asked my boyfriend <laughs> so i'll tell you his answer first he said donovan mitchell it's the most handsome man in the nba yeah i was like he's like i don't know he's just like really attractive i, I mean like, I, I guess donovan mitchell's a cutie i never thought he was in the top tier but um and then i'm gonna tell you mine and i <laughs> i get a lot of hate over at hardcore honeys for this because like neither of them are huge fans of him but like i am very attracted to jamal murray and so i think he is the most handsome man in the nba i'm kind of ashamed to say it but i like there's something about him i'm like that guy that is the guy <laughs> it's the accent it's the jumper it's the jumper yeah uh, yeah it's he reminds me of like the the those two like spin around the re- moves and then the one like Jordan like move on LeBron during mm-hmm. the bubble playoffs. I was like, that like solidified for me. I bought a Jersey. Hopefully you didn't that. follow him. On, hopefully you didn't follow him on Instagram last year when he leaked something bad on his story. That's all we'll mention. That's all we're mentioning. That's all you got to do the research now if you want to know what else, but Shay, yeah. who's your buy low candidate? Um, I, again, I don't know much about fantasy and now like, this reminds me of like stock stuff and I do some penny stocks thing and I'm like, Ooh. why do I never play? All right, we're going to have to connect before? after the show about that. Right. Something about a swagged out Canadian, like Jamal Murray. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> right? to be honest. Jamal, Jamal Murray would be a good pick. No, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Jamal would be because he had those horrible first two games. That first game where he got like one of seven and the first one was in the fourth quarter. I was like, baby, are you serious? Like, <laughs> But 
Never mind. I was going to say, there is rumors that him and his girlfriend broke up. So, you know, that could be it. Uh, You know, but again, he, but then he did some other things uh, in the last couple of games that made up for some of his scoring, but then he's still not like completely where he was at last season with his scoring. So it's like, it's frustrating because like that entire team just should be better than they are. But then like losing Jeremy Grant, I think they didn't see him as something as vital as he was. It is and now that he's gone, they're like, you know, if Jokic isn't completely on, Murray's not completely on. And then you already know that what's his face, Porter Jr. is like never completely on. Like he like gets like one and then he thinks he can shoot the three the rest of the night. And I'm like, no, stop that. So Jeremy Grant was so vital for that team. And and I think that is getting into the mentality of just the entire Nuggets team. And uh, they they got to figure that out if they want to continue to be good. I think that's a great pick, and Michael Porter Jr. is actually going to miss multiple games because uh, he was in close contact with someone who had COVID-19 for the NBA uh, protocol. So Jamal Murray is someone that had that really high price tag that hasn't really performed as well. He did drop 31 yesterday, um, but maybe his owner is sleeping a little bit. So for me, it's Jarrett Allen, and he's currently mm. he's currently averaging 22.6 minutes per game, which is his lowest since his rookie year. And if you actually averaged – uh, his rebounds per game per 36 minutes, he'd be averaging 19.1 rebounds per game, which would be leading the NBA. Kyrie and KD like DeAndre Jordan. This is their first time kind of running with that trio. They all, you know, plan to sign to Brooklyn together. So that's why I think DeAndre Jordan is starting. He's actually playing about like 18 minutes a game. So I think over the course of the season, they're going to realize that Jared Allen is the better option. He's also going to get paid soon, whether it's by the Nets or someone else. So if they look to move him, they might want to showcase his talents a little bit more. He's averaging 1.4 blocks per game, and he's shooting 66% from the field. So he's not going to be someone that drops a lot, but he's going to get you rebounds. He's going to get you blocks. He's going to shoot efficiently from the field. And he's someone where I see as the uh, as the season continues that he's going to get more minutes and really showcase that value as evidenced by that 19.1 rebounds per game. Hopefully the owner isn't looking at those advanced metrics and is just looking at them putting up numbers, not compared to the expectations, but um, he's somebody I'm going to be targeting. Hopefully the owner in our league isn't listening to this, Um, but now I want to do on the flip side of the coin and who is someone that you're selling high on? Maybe this person is the Zoom stock that when it peaks at 580, you sell it instead of holding on to it when it's at 350 now. And I'm not just talking about me. But in terms of an NBA player, who's kind of seen their best days, at least for this season, kind of go? And Brad, I want to start with you on this. Yeah, I got a little bit of an interesting pick here that people won't probably agree with me on which will make it easier for a trade so uh i'll probably sell high on anthony davis so my thesis for him this year was that lebron is a year older he's been vocal about it being 80s team and passing the torch i expected him to tear it up this year and what i've seen watching him is that he's actually having a pedestrian year by his standards um and it's not a counting stats thing his counting stats still look good he still looks to be ad it's a usage rate thing for me so At 26.8%, that's his lowest usage rate since the 2013 season, which was his second year as a pro. I wouldn't care, and I'd say it's early and it's a small sample size, but him not having as large as a hand in the team's production is a direct sign that my thesis on him was wrong to start the year, and I think you should sell high because of that. 
Um, I'd only accept a blockbuster deal for him because you likely took him first and he's still a beast. So I'm not dying to trade him. But if you put him on the block and you get something juicy, I, I definitely think you should pull the trigger. All right, Brad. So you put in our group chat yesterday, Anthony Davis on the block, send offers, not looking for anything in particular, which I guess would show as a preview for this. So if you're mm-hmm. selling, if you're selling Anthony Davis and you mentioned he's somebody that you take in the first round, you spend a lot of money on for a salary crap draft. What type of players or package are you looking in return? Maybe like a distressed asset that I know, you know, could really put up numbers. Maybe I'm talking to the the John Moran order owner and I'm saying, okay, throw John Moran and three other players that have, you know, all-star caliber because I'm not going to get John Moran for three to five weeks and I need something to hold me over in the meantime to replace Anthony Davis's production. So maybe I look for somebody like that, but I definitely need somebody that maybe is not, you know, a top five player in the NBA, but a couple all-stars to kind of, to make it, make it a reasonable deal. Okay. All right. Interesting. I wasn't expecting you to go, selling a top pick for uh, someone that's out three to five weeks in a 72 game season, but that's why you're Brad and there's only one of you coach. (laughs) Let me hear your sell high candidate. All right. So I'm selling high. And um, I think my, my player is DeMar DeRozan. Um, He's killing it right now. He's averaging 22, six, eight assists and 1.5 three pointers made, which he only shot 35 threes last year. Um, if you can get some three-point production from a guy that pretty much fills up the stat sheet and is reliable and is healthy for the whole year, um, but I, I see those assist numbers dropping. Um, I feel like for some reason early in seasons he he gets high assist totals. Derek White Jr. is still coming back off injury where he or he hasn't come back, and I think that that'll take um, some of those ball handling duties and those assists away from him. So I would sell high if I had him. Um, but I, I definitely want something formidable in return. So All right. So, so same question with Brad, and it's a good point that, you know, DeRozan typically starts the season hot. He's been somebody that's been floated in trade rumors. So, Coach, if you are a DeRozan owner, what type of return or any players that you're looking for in particular? If I'm looking to sell on DeRozan um, – if I can get if I can get an Aiden, like if I maybe package it with like an injured player or or somebody else on the bench, but like if you're looking at those numbers and say you're you need you're in need of a shooting guard because shooting guard in, in ESPN leagues, I, I feel like it, they get low quick, like a, a DeRozan for Aiden and maybe just a, a like whoever the Aiden owner wants else, like an, another solid utility guy. Um, I think that that's a uh, a, a thing that works in the trade machine. And okay. I would do. okay, that's fair. That's fair. Shay, what about you? I, you know, I know we just talked that you're a stock person. So who's someone that's probably hit their uh, peak price? Well, you know, I, I really liked what Brad said about AD just because, you know, I I like what the Lakers had, did in the offseason to bring in extra support. Mm-hmm. But with that extra support, it almost feels like AD doesn't have to perform as much which isn't always the case for all players, right? You bring in that extra support of someone like Dennis Schroeder uh, and then they that helps them to just like 
grow as a player and and to to kind of give them that push. And AB is, you know, no longer like a rookie. He's that seasoned player. He now has a ring and he he is getting that torch from LeBron. So you expect so much from him. Um I will let you know I'm not the biggest Lakers fan, but I have been more to the middle for that. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> um yeah, sorry. I, I'm also not the biggest LeBron fan, but you know <laughs> but with Dennis Schroeder on that team now, I am a big fan of him. And so I want him to succeed. It's like, it's hard watching him play against teams. I actually want to win now. Cause I'm like, I want the Lakers to lose, but I want Dennis to win. And so it, it's had me paying a little bit more attention and being a little bit more positive towards the Lakers um, and kind of more disappointed in AD, which is really sad because like, you don't want to be disappointed in a guy who is supposed to be the one carrying the league on. Um, but you know, the Lakers are just like never going to be my first team. And, and so I think that there, there's some like other really great uh, teams that are just doing incredible things. Like I am really looking at the Hawks right now. Uh, yeah. They are beautiful. Like they play beautiful basketball and I watched both the, the Nets uh, games and you know, that first game, they really should have won as well. And, and that was when Katie and Kyrie were like making points, doing their thing. They struggled a little bit more last night and the Hawks were able to pull out a win, but that was even with, you know, Trey young struggling as well. And so it's just like incredible to see this young scrappy team, like playing old school basketball. And even when they lose, it's good. When I watch the Lakers, even when they win, sometimes I'm bored. So, you know, that's I, – I want AD to do better, but right now he's just, like, a disappointment. So. Let's face it, the Lakers are bored. They're about championships. They're about putting banners up. They're easing that's, AD in the season. And, like, the, true. they just stopped playing ball, like, two months ago. So, I think they'll yeah. rev it up towards the end of the season and come playoff time. I, I AD mean, will be just yeah. fine. So, I wouldn't so be my, surprised if they repeat. But, you know, I still think they're boring right now. So, so my takeaway is sell AD for anyone on the Hawks, according to Shea. Pretty for cool. me, except for, for Gallinari, don't do that right now. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, that that's true. And coming from someone that was really big on the Atlanta Hawks before the season, I know I talked them up a lot. But for me, uh, I'm going to say in the Eastern Conference, and I'm selling high on Chris Middleton. So he's currently averaging oh, yeah. averaging career high in points, rebounds, assists. So right now he's averaging 6.4 assists per game. His career average is 3.4. Career highs in three pointers made per game and three pointer percentage. Giannis is currently averaging 22.4 points per game. His last three seasons, he's averaged 29.5, 27.7, and 26.9. So you expect that to regress a little bit more to his average mean. Drew Holiday is averaging 12.8 shot attempts per game. So his last three seasons, he's averaged 16.5, 17.3, and 15.4. So as he gets more acclimated, I think he's going to be a little bit more aggressive shooting the ball as well. I think... For Milwaukee, Giannis is the clear 1A on this team. He's going to get his shots up, and I think maybe he's getting a little bit eased in. I know he had some injury kind of concerns at the end of this season or in the bubble. Um, I think Chris Middleton, he had that huge game against the Heat where he really showed that he could be you know, the 1A or take over, and I think that's carried a little bit over into this season. He's feeling himself a little bit, to put it in better terms, but – I think he's someone where his value is going to be the highest that it is right now. And maybe if like you can that. find a Texas A&M fan or a Bucks fan or someone that just loves Chris Middleton, uh, sell high and maybe get a good return on him. Um, 
But now we want to transition to somebody that's sitting on that waiver wire, a free agent who's owned in less than 50% of ESPN, Yahoo, Fantrax, Sleeper, whatever leagues. So who's someone that owners should be looking at? I have a couple here, and I want to start. So I'm going to go real deep first. I'm going to say Robert Williams because he's power forward and center eligible. He's owned in 5.6% of leagues. So this is someone that you might want to be looking at on your watch list because Tristan Thompson has a lagging hamstring injury, and he is the tallest member besides Taco Fall on the Celtics. But right now, for 15.8 minutes, Robert Williams is averaging six points, 5.6 rebounds per game, one steal, and 1.6 blocks. He's someone in his second season. I think during the course, especially if there's more injuries with the Celtics, he's going to get more playing time. I think he just got 20-plus minutes for the first time the other day. I think Brad Stevens is going to trust him more in that loop in that rotation. He's not someone that maybe is ever going to drop 20, but someone that's going to put up a lot of different stats. Another guy I'm looking at is Cole Anthony, owned in 16.5% of leagues. He's getting more minutes, just played 30 minutes plus. What are you, Coach, now you only get one. Uh, no, that's no, my no. Baby, and that's my baby boy. Uh, all, right, all, right. Cole Anthony. all right, Coach, well, I'll, I'll transition you after I talk up some of your boy. But his last seven days, he's averaging 11 points, 5.8 rebounds, which is impressive for a guard, 3.3 assists, and 0.5 turnovers. He has been very efficient with the ball. I think Atlanta, or I'm sorry, Orlando is going to work him in more. I've seen them having him and Markel Fultz kind of be that one-two. And Terrence Ross is currently day-to-day, so maybe they go with a little bit of a smaller lineup. Those are he's, two- got the, he's got the gene pool, Greg Anthony's son. There you go. But those are two people that I think are that you should really look at that aren't going to be flashy names, but are going to provide either consistent production in points leagues or are going to give you multi-categories in those formats as well. But Coach, I'll transition since I talked about your baby boy. Who's one or I guess two people that you're looking at to add? Uh, DeAndre Hunter is owned in 42% of leagues. I don't know if that's Yahoo or ESPN. He needs to be owned immediately. He's going to produce with threes. He's going to produce with rebounds, and he's averaging 14 a game with probably the number one rated offense in the league. I don't know the numbers, but, I mean, they put up 145 the other day. Um, The Hawks look to score and score easily, especially with Trey Young playing magician point guard, who is just fabulous to watch, by the way, on a side note. Um, So keep your eyes on DeAndre Hunter. If he's in your – if he's on the waivers or if he's a free agent, pick him up today. Um, And then – I, I would say take a look at those injuries. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns is out. Nasri had 17, 6, and 2. We talked a, a little bit about him yesterday or last last pod. And and Joe Harris is a sneaky, like, a solid contributor. Uh, he, he gets a lot of open looks. He's averaging three threes a game. I see that number maybe even taking a rise. He, he rebounds a little bit. So uh, Joe Harris is, like, a safe pick. Um, and then Lonnie Walker, the fourth. Uh, with the Spurs, he's he's going up and flying up and down the court. They're exciting to play too, like their, their four guard lineup or whatever hybrid young players. They're they're a fun watch for a change. Spurs ain't playing that. Give it to the post and watch Timmy work. They are running and gunning, and so I think Pops evolved a little bit. Maybe that has a little bit to do with Becky Hammond. Yeah, <laughs> and, and good points. DeAndre Hunter for ESPN is at least owned it, or he's owned in twenty point seven percent of leagues. Coach, you loafed because another person picked him up. Um, but he's averaging 31.4 minutes a game and someone underneath the radar. Brad, let me hear two guys that are on Sir Bradley Kay's, maybe handsome, but definitely guys that you're looking at. 
He's not handsome. Uh, okay. I got, I got a guy that's he's only owned in uh, 23% of leagues. Okay. He's not handsome. <laughs> and I think he's a really solid player, but this this guy's Bobby Portis. He's on the Bucks. Um, when they ah, signed okay. him, I thought it was for depth, but he's going to be heavy in the rotation. He's getting 23 minutes a game, and in those minutes, he's a double double threat. He's averaging 11 and eight on the season at only 23 minutes. Um, he's a nice source of counting stats for someone you could pick up easily right now. And if there's an injury in the front court, I think he becomes a must have. So that's my guy I'd be targeting. Yeah, and you know somebody you definitely don't want to get in a fight with because you can break your jaw, as we yeah. saw with uh, Miritich. He's owned in sixteen point five percent of ESPN leagues, so somebody not even owned in a fifth of leagues that you can definitely scoop up. Great point, Shay. Anyone, maybe even for the OKC Thunder that you're oh, looking to target? Are you kidding me? Right now, we are the saddest team. Uh, but oh, I, have really? I, I have a guy. I was trying to. I was trying to like hand oh, it God. over. Oh What guy do you have right now? Because I, I have. I have Lou Dort. I see somebody. Okay. I think okay. 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 If you're gonna talk about specifics, like Lou Dort, and you know, I I do think that like Shea Gilgis Alexander will continue to perform this season. He is figuring out his footing and you are starting to see some of that like Chris Paul fancy footwork and passing going on out there and like but it's still very much SGA. So like I he's becoming comfortable and that is so great to watch. I mean the rest of the team is very awkward. Uh it's very hard to watch OKC right now because you know some of their newer players who are, who are playing some of their first professional games like they don't even look like they know which way they're supposed to be shooting. Um, but you know, when it comes to like, like our, our oldest on the team, uh, is like Diallo. So that gives me no hope for the season, but for individual development, this is a good season for us. And I do think that like Lou Dort, if you don't know enough about Lou Dort, like I don't know, he's only making 1.5 million for the next, like, I think two more years, he deserves so much more because he's just like a solid player. Like he literally looks like a bulldog out there and I love it. And he's just like such a nice guy. I love watching interviews with him. Uh, so, you know, that'll continue, but also I want to shout out like, again, uh, OKC, you know, well, used to be OKC Jeremy Grant, who, you know, since he's gone to the Pistons, he's gotten a double double. He's starting to perform better and again, come into himself on a team that's just not really performing where they could be, I guess. Uh, it is the Pistons. So, you know, but, you know, don't don't overlook Jeremy Grant because I really think he has the potential. He's also from another basketball family. So, you know, this is in his blood. This is in his like generational thing. stuff. So I think that Jeremy Grant is going to continue to impress us. And then all of a sudden we're going to remember like, hey, remember when Jeremy Grant was on OKC? And I'm going to be like, I do. <laughs> yeah, Jer Jeremy Grant is somebody that is owned in 92.4% of leagues. So you're probably not getting him. Well, if you um, can, yeah, I, 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 there's I, my, I'm a rookie when it comes to the fantasy, yeah. obviously. Nah, <laughs> it's no problem at all. The The takeaway I got from you is that Lou Dort is underpaid and that we should start a GoFundMe because 1.5 million is not nearly enough for him. I mean, um, when you're living in OKC, maybe, but like if he goes anywhere else, definitely not. <laughs> no, that, that that's a good point. That's a good point. Great discussion. Hopefully for you fantasy players that listen, we can give you somebody that, you know, you pick up and then someone says, screw you. I wanted that person, but good, good segment. And we're going to transition to our question of the week sponsored by Shady Rays. And as I sit back here, Oh boy. 
and I put my shades on. You know, I'm in sales. So, fellas, ladies. How are your glasses crooked? What's happening right now? You know, it's because of these headphones. But they talk about the necessities in life. Food, water, shelter. Your eyes are a necessity. You need to see. So we, I'm glad we're in agreement on that. But you need to protect your eyes. I can't think of one person that I know that's over the age of 15 that doesn't have a pair of sunglasses. So you're buying sunglasses, okay? All right, I'm glad we're in agreement on that. Well, don't you want to look stylish? I mean, the last thing you want to do is go out in public wearing something that you're embarrassed about. So, okay, we, we, want, we know that you want something with style. Well, don't you feel good about giving back? I mean, I know I do. I, I try to make charitable donations and compliment Brad, which I consider a donation. So, you know, okay, I'm glad that we're in agreement on that. So basically everything that I just said is why that you should buy a pair of Shady Rays today. Because when you use code triple play on their website, you're going to save money. You're going to save 25% on everything besides the RX series. But you're also going to go donate 10 meals to Saving America. So we already talked about this is a necessity. You want to give back. You want to do all these great things. So stop listening to me. I've gone on way too long and buy a pair right now. Finn. But our question of the week is who is the best rapper hooper? A great question that coach came up with. I want to give him credit on that. Shay, who's somebody that can uh, hit it on the court, but also can drop some lyrics? I feel like the only correct answer is Dame Dalla. Like, is there any other option? Wow, that, you know, that was, I definitely was not thinking about that. That's probably the best answer. You're the only person that wasn't thinking about that. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I'm going to pick away. it up. I'm going to pick it up from there. Oh, yeah. Again, yeah. Yeah. I, once again, I'm, I'm out of words, Brad, just take <laughs> me away. So for you to qualify as the best rapper Hooper, I have to listen to your songs. And as much as everyone praises Dame's rapping, I don't listen to his music and I've actually never attempted to. That's a, that's a me problem. <laughs> I'm sure he's great, but I rather not taint my love for him on the court by not loving his music. So I flipped the question a bit. I did the best rappers that can hoop. And I'm going with 2 chains. He's got YouTube clips. He's played in college. He's like 6'5". He's got a jumper, so that's my pick. Okay. All right, Brad. I'm glad that I followed your lead on the question with that because I think both are great <laughs> answers. Coach, as a, as a music listener, as a definite hoops junkie, you probably have like four and know their stats from middle school, but let me hear the guy that is number one in your eyes. All right. I no, I actually have a, a, a personal story on this guy. So uh dog, you're you're gonna have to indulge me this time, but I'm telling you this is a this is a winner of a story. So my best rapper that that played ball in his past is Dave East. He signed a Nas's mass Perfect. appeal deal. Um his government name is David Brewster. He's a six six six, two hundred and five shooting guard and he fits the type uh he averaged 23 a game as a senior year um he like i said he has a natural shooting guard body type take a look at him shooting with nba trainer chris brinkley on his uh ig page and you can see how smooth that form looks um let's date back to 2006 this is junior year coach um i'm on the bench but i'm I, this is my team it's springbrook versus richard montgomery two ranked teams Comes down to the end of the fourth quarter in a tight game on a fast break. Outlet goes to Brewster. He goes heads up with my teammate. They meet at the rim. And Brewster bangs on his head. He looks at our best player. It's an and one and says, tell your boy he's stupid, yo. Only uh, 
a Harlem born kid could, could come out like that. Um, but it, he was amazing. Uh, he played with Mike Beasley, Ty Lawson, and Katie for a DC Assault AU team. Um, his team actually is a sophomore. He went heads up with Jeff Green's Northwestern team, and they lost at the buzzer in the state championship. So that's another fact about him. But he went on to play D1 for Richmond and then my alma mater, Towson University, before making a bid, recording mixtapes at none other than Kevin Durant's studio. Okay, awesome. Well, no, I know we the local ties. We got to get them on the pod now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe we'll write to him next. I'm definitely listening to some Godfather, his album after this. For me, I'm actually surprised none of you guys took this. It's Percy Miller, aka Master P. Ah, that's a good so, pick. So he didn't just wish he went pro, he actually did because he signed contracts with the Charlotte Hornets and the Raptors for brief periods during the late 90s. So even though he never played any NBA action, we know that he can hoop because he averaged 24 points per game in 2004 for the ABA's Las Vegas Rattlers. Um, we also know that he had some something to do with uh, uh, Calvin Cambridge from Like Mike, that, uh, you know, maybe maybe long-lost basketball genes in there. So, Master P, I, I thought that that was what everybody was going with, but I'm glad we all had different answers and some great ones as well. You see, uh, we, he's trying to buy Reebok, right? Him and Baron Davis are linking together. I that. They're, like that doesn't make sense to me. That they're not like billionaires. I don't know how they're gonna pull that don't, off. Don't we don't dis be Diddy on this podcast? But yeah, we're going to transition to our game of the week right after this short announcement. We are going to our game of the week. Coach is hosting it. Coach. What are we playing today? All right. This is a little round two. Um, rookie points per game. Uh, we didn't get through the full full length of the list last time, but I thought this was a fun game. Um, it's still early in the season. So um, this is your favorite player, someone else's favorite player. What did they average their rookie season points per game? If you're closest, you get a point. And if you nail it on the decimal point, you get a bonus point. So we use the example of Kevin Durant's rookie season in Oklahoma City, I guess in Seattle at that time. At that he averaged 20.1 yeah. 20. points per game. So if you said 20.1, you would get two points. Sounds good. All right. So our order in um, the How order we got, change. Got five or ten? We got ten. And I'll try to ramble them off them quick. All right. Number one, we're going to start with Shay, followed oh, wow. by E. And then Brad, and it'll switch. It'll rotate each question. So, our first contestant, other than none other than back-to-back MVP, unanimous MVP, Steph Curry. Um, let's go with. I'll go with. Oh my gosh, I'm not a big Steph fan, so I haven't looked at his stats lately. Uh, you know, <laughs> studied them. Uh, let's go with 22. 22. Um, all right, E. I, I think Steph was impactful his rookie year, but I know he didn't win it. Um, yeah. I'm going to say 13.2. I thought he got hurt his rookie year. I know he had the ankle problems. I'm going to go with uh, 10. It was that sophomore year, and then it kind of lingered um, a couple years. But that, that rookie year, I think he played eight, uh, 80 games. He averaged 17.5. So, jeez, uh, I, I think the short math is – is it E? Yeah, E. That's what 
End the game. End the game. I'm running test. I'm going into the stands. I'm ending the Pacers Pistons so game. It's very, very close, but E got it by a couple decimal points. So E gets the first one. Round two here. We're going to start with Brad, then Shay, and then Eric. Jason Kidd, who also won Rookie of the Year. And it's on you, Brad. Um, I know he was an assist guy. He's not much of a score. I'm going to go 12 points. Man, check. I'm going to I'm gonna go 13, so one up. Price is right. And, <laughs> right? And he, all right. Well, I, he probably averaged those points per game in like his peak. I don't think he set it on fire scoring-wise. Rookie, I'm going to go 8.9. All right. This one goes to Brad. He averaged 11.4. Wow. All right, number three. Speaking of Dame Dollar, our favorite Hooper <laughs> that also raps, and he's definitely the best uh, rapper that hoops. By the way, Damian Lillard. This one goes to Eric first, then Brad and Shea. How much did this rookie of the year average his first year? Killed it out of Weber State. I want to say eighteen point six. I'm gonna go fifteen point five. I'm going to go 20. I think he hit that. He averaged 19, so he's technically closest again. Again, just barely getting you, Shay. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I'm boxing you out, Shay. (laughs) All right. Let's see who starts this one off. Number four, this is Paul George. So it goes Shay, Eric, and then Brad. Oh, God. This is pre his leg injury. Pre-pandemic P. Right, pre pre all the Paul George we see now. Um, but I still think it was a little bit lower. So I'm just I'm gonna say 14.8. Uh Danny Granger definitely had to shine Paul George's first year. I'm gonna go 10.4. And Brad. I'm gonna go 15. All right, so Eric again. He's running away with this. He averaged 7.8 points oh. per game. And yeah, he tried to, he had to learn from Danny Granger. Who had a two spectacular years for his major uh, injury? Really New, Mex- New Mexico, baby. All right, that's three for Eric, one for Brad. Number five is Kawhi Leonard, his teammate. And we're going to start with Brad, then Shay, then Eric. Spurs, they like to develop you. I know he was kind of a defensive guy coming out. I'm going to go 11 points. Oh, me? <laughs> I forgot yeah. that order. <laughs> I was hey. like, wait. Yep. Okay, okay. I'm going to go. 9.5. I hate to undercut you a little bit, Shay. I'm going 9.2. Oh, oh my goodness, what? Eric. He's running away with this. It was 7.9. He Whoa. had one more than his running mate today. Gosh. And Eric, remember last time we played this? She's like, I'm never terrible at games. I'm so terrible. <laughs> and then now you're running away with this one. Um, you, your, your redemption story has been wrote, but it's not over yet. Number six, we're going to start with Eric, Brad, and Shea, Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. All right. He definitely – I know he did well his first season in OKC. Uh, I'm going to go 13.7. Brad? Coming out of UCLA, I know he surprised people. I'm going to go 15. And Shea probably had front row seats for this one. How much did Russell Westbrook average? Yeah, there's a question we got right. It's this one. Oh my god. Okay. Well, I know he did better than I would think, uh, just due to recent years. 
but I'm I'm gonna I'll I'm gonna one up Brad here and just say 16. I might be a little over, but oh my gosh, hey, like you probably have the closest answers of people that are coming in second. So he averaged 15.3. If you would have went 15-1, you would have had you would have had 15.1 to infinity. Uh, but technically, Brad gets that one. Um, Brad, what'd you say? I said 15. Oh wow, that's close. Yeah. It was so close. All right, Carl uh, Anthony Towns. Let's hope that he's getting better soon. Um, we start with Shay, Eric, and then Brad. Clean up. Um, I'm not super familiar with his rookie year, but it is Cat. Let's just say I'm gonna go 11.3. Cat was a dog his rookie year. You guys like that? Uh, 21.9. So corny, but okay. <laughs> It's a dad joke. I had to do one. I'm not a dad, by the way. Cat, <laughs> we love you. Stay strong. I'm going to go 25. Holy smokes. I think he averaged like 10 in, in college uh, that rookie year or that freshman year. But it's 18.3. It makes Eric closest again. I don't know if we should put a cap on this game. But uh, we're going to go number eight. What's Brad, Shaven, Eric, and... Um, this is Derek Rose. Eric has one, two, three. I got four, five. five to yeah. two. So Derek Brad, Rose. Yeah, so I Brad. guess I guess I can only tie, right? Yeah. Well, let's All let's right. do it. Let's do yeah, this. You one. can you can technically tie. So I'm just trying right. to get a point at this point. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Derek Rose. Um, he might have had rookie of the year. I know he was explosive. Um, I'm gonna go. 22 for D Rose. All right, oh. and then Shay. I think it was lower than 20, so I want to say 18. Gosh, I feel so bad undercutting you again. I'm going 17.6. Oh my god, if you get this, I swear to God. <laughs> don't he come and find me. 16.8. Uh, and I don't know what is Eric's deal with blocking Shay. This is our guest. Just I'm never coming her. back. So Eric, you get the win, man. We'll cut it. We'll cut it short. We'll cut it short. I think right. I, I I try to to over, you know. So I I got to get more comfortable with my decimals. It's fine. S S S fifteen seconds of FaceTime, Eric. All right. Well, I want to give my fifteen seconds of FaceTime instead of boxing her out. I want to let her in and get this rebound. So Shay, I want to give you my fifteen seconds of FaceTime. Is there anything you're working on? Anything you'd like to plug to our audience? <laughs> Um, no, I, well, one, thank you guys for having me, for giving me this 15 seconds. That's very nice of you. Um, but yeah, no, you can listen to my other really stupid takes on Hardcore Honeys. That's where I also show where I'm uh, a little out of it sometimes, especially on the weekends, because, you know, we all turn our brains off. We also have a live show on Thursday nights via Twitter that I host. So you think I'm really fun? That's where you get to see even more of me. Uh, but yeah, follow me on Twitter. I have two Twitter accounts, so you can figure out which one to follow. Yeah, and uh, if you were looking for the one that's close to 5,000 followers, which is more than any of us have, it's at just Shay Vassar. Shay, we really appreciate you coming on. For the listeners, hope you guys have a great start to your new year. We will be talking more fantasy basketball soon. And everybody stay safe, wear a mask, and let's make 2021 our year, unless you're Brad. <laughs>